Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hey, how are you doing? Well, it all starts with you as a business owner everything starts and everything ends with you. Now, I know this can feel heavy, a heavy weight, easy to place blame on underperforming stylists or therapists, but at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to make sure your team are trained and supported to perform at a high level. But how can I do this? You may well ask. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to be telling you in this episode. I'm chatting with Bridget Benge, who works as a leadership and management coach for the beauty industry. Now, she specializes in helping beauty owners build high-performance teams and has three tips to share with us about doing just that. So, listen up as Bridget and I chat about the three key steps to learn how to whip your team into shape in no time. You're going to love this chat. Let's jump in and meet Bridget. Bridget, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. I'm really pleased to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. So we had a big, long talk before we jumped on. And um, so why don't we start with uh, where are you in the world? What do you do? And how did you get to be doing what you're doing? Okay. So I am situated in Melbourne. And what I do is I am a leadership and management coach predominantly to beauty therapy salons. So that is my biggest focus. And the reason why I focus on um, skin is because for me, skin was always a passion of mine. I come from a French background. My parents are French. And looking after the skin was something that we did, you know, from the age of nine. Like I've been using skincare from the age of nine. And so it 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 was my hobby. It's what I really like to do. My business... Uh, career started in advertising, believe it or not. So for 15 years, I was an account director in advertising agencies. And when I had a little bit of a midlife crisis, because I spent no time with my son, I had one son at the time, and pretty much came home when he was asleep and went to work before he woke. And I had that little midlife crisis as I I don't want to do this anymore. I decided that um, what I wanted to do was to coach the beauty industry in business, to coach them on leadership and management. I thought it was a little bit rude to do that if you yourself haven't succeeded in that industry. I mean, fancy telling therapists how to run their business when I've never had a salon. I've worked in advertising, but that was completely unrelated. So I thought, how hard can that be? A couple of years, I'll be okay. Larissa, 10 years later, 10. I finally was able to master uh, how to run a successful salon. I mean, it was a really complicated process. Um, And that's when I started coaching. And I sold my salon 14 years after 14 years of having it. So I sold it in 2010. And now I just coach the industry. But there's just a lot more to the beauty industry than a lot of people think um, because it's service and predominantly product. So that's how I got here, you know, um, 
and yeah, it took a really long time and it was a long journey, <laughs> long way to do it. So you eventually sold the salon and yeah. uh, stepped into coaching. Absolutely. From there. Yeah. And um, in 2010, my therapists were doing the productivity that I expect women to do now. So they, they were producing, you know, in excess of $150 an hour. I like therapists now to produce $130 an hour. And the therapists then were bringing in, they were making more money in commission than in their base wage, if that makes sense. So I've never been one to pay more than a ward rate. And whether they earned more money was based on their productivity. And that's how they got to earn a lot more. And those therapists were doing that. Like they were, they were producing really high with integrity, by the way. So no pushy sales tactics. So a lot of people think that, well, it must be really pushy sales tactics. And if you think about it, my therapists were booked out weeks in advance. So there's no way they could have been pushy if they were booked out all of the time. And they had clients that came in all year round. So that's that's what I call high performance. So when it comes to training the girls, training the therapists, it's all about high performance. So yeah, and, and that's what I do. So I transform therapists into high performers and I lead owners to manage these people, how to manage the high performance. Fantastic. And that's exactly the reason I wanted you to come and talk to us about that building a high performance team, because in the hair and beauty industry, we have chosen a business model that is based on humans. Yeah. And so we have to get the most out of our humans if we want to have a chance of uh, survival, let alone thriving inside of our business. So let's talk about exactly that. What I, I asked you to have a think about, like, what are the three most important things when it comes to building a high performance team that you see are the most important things that we focus on? Okay, so for me, it all comes from the owner. It's all leadership. So a lot of people seem to think that they can just put in an ad in a newspaper and say, or seek and say, high performance therapists wanted, apply within. And I say that just doesn't exist. If there is a high performance therapist out there, she's either so happy where she is earning lots of money or she's preparing to open her own thing, right? But she's certainly not waiting for your job. Right, it's not waiting for, for you to put an ad in the paper, right? So for me, high performance is all about training people within and it's all about leadership. And we can't start with training our therapists without first starting with a clear identity and culture, right? So identity, so many salons don't even know what they stand for. Like what are they there for? How they identify themselves and how do they pull themselves apart from the competition? What makes you so special? Why should people come to you and pretty much spend within a year between five to 10,000? I mean, that's what we expect uh, loyal clients to, to spend with us. So when you're talking about that level of money, you better be special. You better be something different. And you can't have that without clarity of identity. Right. So that is a really big part of what I teach people to why am I here? Why should people come to us? As you probably know, Larissa, I know that, you know, marketing, online marketing has completely saturated our industry to the point that clients no longer believe or potential clients don't even believe what we're advertising. Like when we say it's valued at $250 for $47, they don't believe it. And they shouldn't because 
it's not affordable what we're doing, right? So there's a, the only way that we can separate ourselves is through what we do, is through um, the journey, the client experience, the client journey, and of course the results at the end of the day. And there's nothing else. So you can market as much as you want. The um, consumer is way too savvy to fall for it, right? Um, unless you are special. So we have to make salons special. We have to pull them apart from the competition. And it starts with identity. And of course, beyond that, it's going to move into the culture, right? So you have to have a really sound, healthy culture within your business that everybody's doing it for the same reasons, that people are passionate and committed to the result. Because with skin, it's all about result, right? Nothing else. The client is not going to keep paying you if they don't get a result. Just like in hairdressing, it's, a, it's an aesthetic look, but also the quality of hair or the health of the hair. Nobody's going to pay you money unless you are something special and it is worth the money. So one of the things, just quickly, that I always convince, or sorry, always get therapists to convince the clients is that the benefit is greater than the cost, no matter what the cost is. So even if we are high priced, their job is to demonstrate that the benefit is greater than the cost, right? Um, so the culture within uh, a salon is really important. And I find that this is, this is just not a focus for a lot of people. There is no culture. And the thing is, if we don't build our, or create our own culture, it gets created for us, mm. right? So the people within the business <clears throat> will create a culture in the absence of a um, formal culture. So to me, that is just really important. Okay, so number two is processes. And I know you're a big fan of processes, is systems. Nothing happens without a system, right? If we just leave our therapists to do what they do the way they do it, then we will not get the client loyalty and we will not get the results that we need. Everything must have a process from how to answer the telephone to how to conduct a skin consultation. No, how to clean the bathroom, you know, how to uh, greet a client, how to answer the questions on the new client consultation form. Everything is a process. And once we develop these processes, this is when the salon owner can start relaxing, right? Can start not having to answer a hundred questions a day. You know, even processes like, you know, how do you process a refund through the FPOS machine? Everything must have a process. And that's also, um, <clears throat> sorry, that is kept in the policies and procedures manual. And that is the most important um, tool that a salon has. Now, I find that a lot of people have policies and procedures manual and they're just gathering dust on a mm -hmm. shelf. You know, the wrong things keep happening on a daily basis and they don't hold the people accountable to the process. Even salon owners don't hold themselves accountable to the process. They develop the process because it sounded good, but actually it's not happening, right? So we want policies and procedures manuals to be sitting on a shelf and the book is tattered because it is used on a daily basis. You know, I used to say when I had my salon and I would go away on a holiday, I would say to my therapist, you can ring me only on two occasions. One, the salon's on fire. Hmm. And two, there isn't a process. And, and you can most certainly call me if there isn't a process. And then after I finish the conversation with you, I'll write a note down to create a process about that. 
right? So the whole idea is that a salon can run without you without the world falling apart. So I'm into that. I think the challenge that we uh, come across as creative entrepreneurs is the discipline to run the process. You know, um, to put in a process means now that we have to be accountable to it first, then so we can then hold our team accountable to it. But for some of us, that's really hard, particularly in the hair industry, Bridget, where a lot of uh, the entrepreneurs are creative entrepreneurs. We feel like we're free spirits and we want to be creative and, and <laughs> systems and processes just drag us down. But it's the it's the discipline of systems and processes that ultimately will set us free. Absolutely. But it's also the discipline and processes that keeps the clients coming back over and over again, as well as the creativity. And I think that there's room for the creativity. But like, let's take an example, and maybe you can help me with this, with hairdressing. I mean, I, I'm, I don't specialise in hairdressing, but I go to the hairdresser. I'm a specialist in going, right? Mm -hmm. I go, my cutter is absolutely fantastic, but I have to be honest, every time I go there, it really annoys me that a different person is going to wash my hair and it depends on who it is, whether I get a good wash or a not so good wash, whether too much conditioner is left on or not, whether I get a good head massage or not. And I just think this is, when, when it's not, I call that negative positioning. I call that that um, person who washed my hair didn't do such a great job. Straight away, I'm negatively minded. I'm thinking in a negative way. And I believe that everything we do has to ensure that we positively position ourselves in the client's mind, no matter what. And we minimize negative positioning, right? Because, of course, clients remember negative a lot more than they remember positive. So just that simple process. So the cutter... He's great. He does my hair really well, but the service is brought down by the experience other than him. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And so there are so many areas that there's got to be a process. There's got to be a signature way of washing hair and that you don't get excited when a certain um, apprenticeship is coming towards you because, you know, that's going to be a great wash or the, the guy that's not so good, you go, oh, no, I've got him again kind of thing. So that's just one little example but it means the world and it brings down complaints a lot more. But more importantly, there's a lot less client loss, yeah. right? Because, and we're always complaining about we want more clients, we want more clients. And one of the things I say to people when they want help with marketing for me is I am not going to help you get more clients if you do not know how to hold on to them right? The retention is way more important than the acquisition. And the retention is nothing but systems, hey? Everybody follows the same way of doing things. Clients love predictable service, especially when, especially when that service is great. I want to know what I'm getting, right? I want to know exactly how I'm going to feel when I walk out of here. Well, it's that consistency and that signature uh, deliverable, the, the way that you deliver your signature service, it's the consistency of that that actually determines the brand value, right? Absolutely. As soon as you don't deliver to that, you deliver on that brand value, you are diminishing the experience or the, what did you call it? I quite like that, the negative. Negative positioning. Yeah, immediately. And positive positioning. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, um, I guess one of the ways that I always used to think about before we 
brought in a new system or a process is, can we consistently deliver on this even when all the shit hits the fan? <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And if we can't, if the answer is no, then we don't do it. Absolutely. Because or we can't continue. You review it, right? It's, it's a, it, this is how we do things here. And unless we find a better way, this is how everybody does it. I'm all for people giving ideas. Oh, I think we could do this better. Okay, let's hear it. And if it is better, okay, let's change the system. But don't make the system just so airy-fairy or just so impossible that nobody can follow it. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and it's, it's much easier to do that. And that's why a lot of people buy policies and procedures manuals online and they buy it and they think it's terrific and they get everybody to sign off on it. But it's impossible to get the girls to do it because it's not the way the business is run. It's not how you're running it. So, again, it, it all starts with the leader making sure that each process is 100% spot on. And, and I'll, I want to take that because that's really that's a really good point. When you import somebody else's processes into your business, they're not genuinely, authentically yours. Uh, and, in fact, every business is so different. The footprint is different. Um, and so it should be. Otherwise, yep. we'd all have millions of followers and, and uh, be million-dollar businesses, and we're not. Uh, it all should be different. Um, and so taking the time to create your own signature culture or, you know, your own identity, as you so eloquently said it, um, is super important. I really loved – sorry, you got – just to let you know, I do have a policies and procedures manual that I do sell, but it's meaty, like it's 300 pages long, and it has processes in there that are ideal, but you just tweak them according to what you are. And, and you know what? It's a small little fortune. You know, it's worth your child, basically. Um, but there are other programs or other policies and procedures manuals out there that it's just airy-fairy. It just says things like you need a process to answer the phone, and it's got the most ridiculous process. Right. So you can buy them as long as you buy them from a source that is qualified and proven success based on that. Right. But and, and that it fits with you. And if it doesn't fit with you, then you change it accordingly. Yeah. 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 For sure. And you personalize it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think about the franchise model, what is a franchise? It is a big, fat, meaty uh, procedures and policies manual that tells you how to do it to, to the point where it's so clear that you can have a replicatable business over and over and over and over again. doesn't matter who runs it. Absolutely. It's exactly that. And I say to people, run your business like it's a franchise. This is the way we do things here. And the most successful businesses in the world, I mean, apart from the McDonald's that we all know, but how about Apple, right? Do you have an Apple, a Mac computer? Do you yeah. use Mac? Right. Yeah, exactly. so how about that experience that we have when we walk into a Mac store? There is a system for everything. And I've been to New Zealand Mac store, by the way. It's exactly the same. I'm in New York, it's exactly the same as in Melbourne. And that's why they're so successful, right? And office works, supermarkets. It's, it's just a process and it allows people to own their positions. Like therapists feel empowered because they know how to do things right. There's also less conversation because people are doing things wrong. Like there's less, um, you know, counselling because people are only doing everything the right way. Yeah. Great. Very good. Let's talk about empowering people to do things the right way. Okay. So that's number three, right? So leadership today um, is so different to how it was when I first entered business many years ago, 
right? We used to have a very autocratic way of leading people and that just does not work, right? In the old days when somebody was lucky to have a job and they stayed there no matter what, that's finished. You know, the millennials do not consider themselves lucky in having a, a job with you. They probably think you're lucky to have them, right? <laughs> and so how we lead people it has totally changed. And it's about empowering people with the knowledge, with the skill set, and creating tools to make their lives so much easier on, on a day-to-day -day basis. And with that, we hold them accountable. So we not only empower them, we mentor them, we train them in every area of the business, but we hold them accountable so that they get to a point that then they start to hold themselves accountable. Right? And then that's when you find you have a tr truly passionate, committed therapist in your employ. And if you get to a point, this is the most, the biggest fear that people have. Oh, if I get my therapist to that point, she's going to leave me. Yeah. But is it better that she leaves you after three years of giving you high performance than staying there for seven years with low performance? Once we learn how to mentor and train our team, once we have all those processes in place and we know how to lead them, we can do it again and again and again. And if we get three, four good years out of a therapist, that's great. You know, when people left me in my business to move on, I congratulated them. I said it was great. I got the best out of them, right? The ones that I didn't, by the way, and they'll always be the ones that you don't, you just don't keep them. Mm. Right? But you find that out really early in the piece, not seven years later, right? Mm. So it's also a matter of figuring out who's just not going to cut it and not because they're bad people but because they just don't have it in them. They're not committed. They're not passionate about our industry. We better love what we do. We better because if we don't, we are not going to deliver the results that are required to give. I mean, imagine a cutter who doesn't love cutting hair. I mean, that's just absurd i would imagine like it's crazy isn't it and so it's the same thing in in the beauty industry it's it's a big job and if you don't love what you do then you cannot possibly succeed and you cannot reach the productivity figures that i want people to to reach and that so many girls are reaching i think the um the fear or the barrier often comes from um lack of the ability to fill the positions that they need to fill in, yep. in the business. So um, it gives us a false sense of needing to hang on to team members who are substandard or aren't living up to, rather than feeling great about if they come and they don't fit the culture or they don't fit, have it in them to lift the performance, being okay with letting them go, whether they self-leave or whether we give them a shove out the door, um, we hold on to them from a place of fear rather than building them up or, or being okay with people leaving. Is that something you experience too, Bridget, that, that it's hard for business owners to find anybody, let alone quality, high performers? Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you that it comes from a place of fear and it's very easy for you and I, you and I to say, don't be fearful. I get it. I understand where the key fear comes from. So you have to equip yourself with knowing how to train and mentor your people and have all of those systems in place. It comes from a place of fear because it comes from a place of, I don't know how to do this. 
So you've got to start with you. You've got to start with you knowing what it is that's happening in your business that you can pass it on to the team that you're about to employ. So it's valid. I get it. But you can't just keep going that way. You can't keep having low performers, right? It, 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 you won't sustain and then you'll end up closing the door and that's what happens. So, and yes, in, in answer to your question, yes, it is hard to find, you know, people that are going to be committed, which is why I love trainees. In our industry, I know you have apprenticeship. We have trainees. We mould them. Like we teach them, we mould them. I've had therapists that were nowhere near as passionate at the beginning than they were at the end. I inspired the passion, right? And if I couldn't, and of course there were many times that I couldn't, I knew that all my training and mentoring is not going to do anything. So that old adage that says, you know, uh, hire on personality, not on skill is huge because the skill part, at least in beauty therapy, that's the easy part. Right? We can train any therapist to do a facial or put some polish on, a, on, on a, a fingernail, but you can't train personality. You can't train or mentor passion. You can't train commitment. Right? So it's, it's settling for the young, inexperienced therapist, knowing how to induct her into the business slowly and surely, and then growing her through the process of becoming a high performer. And that's it's not that long. It doesn't take that long, right? But no, people just keep employing therapists that have been around for so long, have their own bad habits. They don't perform. They don't produce, but they feel that they should be employed or earn a certain amount of money because I've been in the industry for 10 years. For me, I pay the same to a girl who's 21 and fresh out of school than somebody who's been out for 10 years. It's all about performance. Right, all about. I'm so pleased you brought that up because it's the wrong yardstick to be measuring is time in the industry. It's actually it's output. So if you have the equation correct, uh, someone who is smart, savvy at 22 can outperform someone who is not smart, <laughs> doesn't perform at 42 or 32 or whatever the case may be. It's about um, what you can deliver on the day rather than just how long you can sit in the store. Absolutely. And, and, and why would you want to have somebody who's been in the industry for 10, 12 years and is not performing, right? Most of my high performers, in fact, are in their 20s, right, because we instill the passion in them or they start off with some kind of passion and commitment and they keep going. But it's hard to mentor that or train that into somebody who's been in the industry for so long and had negative experiences, Right. And so many therapists have had negative experiences um, that, it, yeah, it's hard for them to conform. But at the end of the day, we're running a business. It's not a kindergarten. Right. We pay you more money because you make more money. It's not a charity either, which. No. Some people it can feel like it is a little that way. So I want to just touch very, very quickly on the topic of. Um, uh, owners working inside of their own business because I think this has a lot to be said for the success or lack thereof of a business because it's one of the few industries that you know hair and beauty and the hair and beauty industry are one of the few industries where the owner sits in a primary um, uh, d delivery role I guess and tries to run the business and tries to do the marketing and tries to do the HR and all the client delivery. There's not many industries where the CEO does all those things. And have we got it backwards? 
Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We have it backwards because if you're such a great therapist yourself that you can produce a lot of money yourself every week, then go and work for somebody who has a really strong commission uh, incentive program, right? There is no point in opening your own business if you are going to be on the floor full time because to succeed in a business, it is a full time job. Right. So the running of the business, creating the processes, training the girls, mentoring the girls, that in itself is a full time job, meaning 40 to 50 hours a week. So if you try to be a therapist on the floor, 40, 50 hours and then go home at night and run the business, you know, that's not going to happen because your brain is frazzled. You're exhausted. Some of you even want to look after children as well. And it can't happen. It, it's just impossible. It's like saying I've got two full time jobs. So if you decide to have your own business, you have to acknowledge that you made a career change, right? It is, you're no longer a beauty therapist. If you still want to do hands-on treatments with clients because you just love it, fine. You know, limit it to maybe one day a week, half a day a week. You will still keep your hands in the, in the industry because you'll be training your therapists, so even with a hairdresser, I think she shouldn't, uh, an owner in a hairdressing salon shouldn't be cutting clients' hair. She should be training, if she's so great, she should be training the internal people so that she can start scaling, right? You cannot scale if you are an open operator and on the floor 24-7. You can't. It's impossible to scale. And the money in our industry is in the scaling. So I say that the beauty industry is a very, very lucrative industry. It's, I mean, I made a small fortune with it, but I've never touched a client in my life. Mm -hmm. Like I've never done, a, I'm not a beauty therapist, right? I'm a, a business builder. And so for the therapists out there who feel, or the salon owners who feel they have to work full time on the floor, then just expect to always be average in your revenue. Right. And I don't mean that negatively. I'm just saying you will never make big money because you are trading time for money. And there are so many hours in the day. So let's take a really easy example. You could say it's capped. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a ceiling. It's capped yeah. to what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And no matter that you can't make more time. So let's make it nice and easy. I'm, I'm going to use if a salon owner can produce a thousand dollars a day. Right. Five days a week. That's five thousand. You might be happy with that. I say, why don't you produce no dollars a day, but you train five therapists to produce a thousand dollars a day. Now the revenue is 25,000 instead of five, right? That is entrepreneurship. That is owning a business. But the other way is owning a job, right? And the time is way more well spent if you use that time to empower and train your people right? Everybody complains. And I know that in the hair industry, I opened up my business because I wanted more time and more money. And yet you've never had less time and less money in your life. And so many people report that their therapists earn more than them. What's the point? Like, why would you do that? Look, even if you, you uh, came off the floor at a thousand dollars a day and trained your people to do half as good as you, and they each did $500 a day, that's still one and a half times, uh, two and a half times what you can do on your own. Absolutely. But you yeah. know what? I have salon owners. I mean, I've, I've got a client who um, her therapists are producing 2000 1500 to 2000 a day, every day and fully booked, right? So that is, and then she's not on the floor at all. 
she doesn't work. She's working on the business all of the time, empowering her girls, you know, really mentoring them, holding them accountable every minute of the day. And so she's making a bucket load of money and she has the time and the money that she wanted when she first opened the business. I can see that, you know, um, coming circling back to your original point uh, of your business success is all about you, the CEO and the point. I know from my in my program, the first uh, module that I have in the program is leverage clarity. If you don't if you don't have the clarity around why you're in business, what it is you want your business um, to do for you and what type of business you're in, AKA in the business of running humans, you know, either you're going to be, either you love doing clients and you're going to do that, you just want to do it in your own space, great, own it, claim it and live that. But if you want to grow a business, then you're in the business of humans and you need to learn to manage humans, train humans, and uh, empower humans, your you know your team. That's the business that you're in. You're not really in. It just happens to be in the hair and beauty space. And isn't that great? You just said that your first module is um, leveraging clarity. Well, my first module is identity. It's exactly the same. So you both we both start at exactly the same place and know that if you don't start there, then everything else is moot. Like there's just no point, right? Um, so I love that. I love what you said because I go, well, that's my identity and culture module, right? Like that's that's exactly what we do. Um, so yeah, I love that. And the other thing that you you know you said we're in the business of humans. Well, it's the biggest expense is wages. Right. And wages should be at the most with us 30%, no more. And yet I have so many people at 45 um, and 50%. And I say that if, if your um, percentage is, is higher than 30, then you are either overstaffed or underproductive or both. Yeah. Right. And both is the worst part. Right. And that again, stems from your girls not being equipped to perform the way they need to be. And that's probably because you're too busy on the floor working 40, 50 hours a week. You're too exhausted. And when you do train them, you're not training them well. Yeah. The hardest piece, uh, uh, just as we lead into wrapping up, the hardest piece I think is bridging the gap between stepping off the floor and into empowering and growing your people. There's a huge bridge to get uh, to cross there and financially that change in your business model, it's the hardest place to be. And I think if you're there and if you're listening that you've just got to remember it's, it's a phase, it's a stepping stone and you're crossing from one business model to another and it's going to impact your business but it doesn't have to stay like that so hold tight and uh, beautifully said you know beautifully said and it is a phase and we don't ask you to get off the tools completely to nothing of course no it's a phase it just takes time you do it in stepping stones as you say but you've got it that's got to be the goal that's got to be the end goal yeah Right. Similarly, I like this. <laughs> uh, Bridget, uh, you're a business owner yourself. Mm -hmm. And so tell us what is a quote or a mantra or something that you live by that leads you on a daily basis? Okay, so I'm going to share uh, one of my own quotes that I actually uh, coined when I was in advertising. And it applied then with the team that I had then, and it applied with my salon, with my clients um, or, or the salon's clients, and it even applies now. And that is that people 
people meaning your staff, people do what they do because they can, because somebody lets them, because you let them. Stop letting them. Uh, you heard it right here. Uh, keep <laughs> I mean, blaming the therapists, but you know what? You keep allowing it. You have to change. Do you know, Bridget, I often I often find myself comparing management to raising children. Um, at about five o'clock, my kids start coming and opening up the pantry, but you know what I'm doing at five o'clock is I'm starting to cook dinner. Mom, I want to, I'm hungry. Of course they're hungry. Can I have a biscuit? No, I'm, I'm making dinner. It's about to be dinner time. How many times do they ask me, can I have a biscuit? Probably five on average. How many times do I say no? Well, I have to be strong and say no five times, but they will ask. And yeah. the same thing happens in, in the business because they're asking and waiting for me to break. And they're quite clever. They're waiting for me to break. They're waiting for the gap when the moment of weakness when I say, okay, I just want them to shut up. Yes, all right, have a biscuit. Now, the same thing happens in a team environment. Uh, maybe they're not consciously aware that they're constantly asking for a biscuit and waiting for me to break. But essentially, when, when team don't want to do or you get pushed back or you ask them to do something and they don't, they're just kids asking for another biscuit because they want the biscuit. They're not making it personal about you and they're not trying to break your back or you don't have to feel pressured to say yes, just stick to the rules. You know that if they eat the biscuit, they won't eat the dinner. So they need to do the system because they know if you if they, if they stick to the rules that you put in place, they'll make their target, they'll, the business will succeed and they will get to where they want to go. Can I um long enough? Can I give you, I give you a quick example of how this is how this works in the in the industry? Um, because as you said, they don't they're not trying to drive you insane. It's just no. they're what they're doing, right? So a, a, you ask a therapist, why is her productivity so low? Well, my productivity is so low because I don't have any clients in my column. That's why I don't have any clients in there. Now the answer that a, a salon owner should have is why don't you have any clients in there? But instead, the salon owner thinks, oh, my God, I need new clients. I need new clients to feed her. The therapist and the owner forget that the responsibility of the columns belong to the therapist. So that's why I say, why don't you have any clients in, in your columns? And everybody forgot that it's not about the salon owner bringing in more business. It's about the therapist taking full responsibility that it's her job to keep her columns filled. Right. So she'll keep blaming the empty columns because you keep accepting it. You keep saying, oh, okay, well, I just need to get her more clients. No, you just need to lead her and mentor her and train her to rebook her clients. Exactly, exactly. Yes, you can deliver her some clients to get started, but then she's got to keep them. Absolutely. And it's her, it's, it's her job to keep them. It's her job to keep her columns full, not mine. All right. What is a book or a resource or something that you have read has changed your life that all business owners uh, need to read? It's a, it's a really old book, but it's a favorite and it's still a favorite today. And I think I've probably read it six times and it is the basis of my salon business and now the basis of this business. And that is called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And a lot of people have said, oh, I know it. I've heard it. Stop saying, you know it. You heard it. Read it. It will transform your life. And it's everything that you and I teach about systems and processes, but in, in, a, in a much more uh, macro way. 
And I will still, I have, I read business books all the time. You know, probably one a month, if not more, but I will still go back to the fundamentals of the image. So that's my that's why we That's why we think similarly, uh, Bridget. That too was um, a transformational business uh, a book in my life and in my business. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with me. Absolute uh, pleasure. I loved it. It's, a, it's been a good time and a long time today. Um, and I really appreciate it. I appreciate your insights and uh, what you've shared with the industry. So where can people find you and stalk you and learn more about you? <laughs> That's great. Okay, well, I'm on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm a newbie on Instagram. I've only been there for um, a, a few months. So it's cream solutions underscore Bridget Benj. Uh, Bridget Benj on Facebook. And my website is creamsolutions.co, C-O, not .com, C-O. Um, and thank you very much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed today. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to, um, having, to returning the favour one day. And that's a wrap. Thank you, Bridget, for joining me in this epic episode, one of my favourites for sure. One key thing that Bridget and I discussed today was the fact that you need to set yourself apart from other salons and spas and have a clear brand identity in order to really succeed in business. Well, one of the best ways and most effective ways to do this is to really get across your point of difference to your existing and potential clients. The best way is through marketing. Now, marketing on social media is a must if you want to get your brand name out there like honestly you can't sell a secret and to regularly attract a flow of new clients coming in through the door but I know like most of us we are not professionally trained marketers so luckily I've just released a new resource to help you with exactly this my strategic marketing planner. Now this planner is to help you create a plan and uh, to plan out your marketing step by step and it will guide you through the five step strategies that I use in my own business with Salon Bot, with Salon Owners Collective, but most importantly, I teach and provide a done for you service for salon owners. This is the strategy that we do and that we use and that we preach and that and that we do. So that, that says enough, right? So take the marketing quiz to find out your current salon marketing score. Like how are you doing? Are you doing well? Are you, do you have lots of space to learn or are you smashing it out of the park? And then get your marketing planner, which has a specific step-by-step based on your results. So I'm going to leave the link to join the marketing quiz in the show notes of this episode. Also, you'll find it in all the places, on the dub dub, on the socials, and of course, in Messenger. So jump into it. I look forward to seeing you um, in Messenger in the quiz and let me know what you come back as. Like even take a screenshot and tag me in the story. Tell me, what was your marketing result and what have you done as, as a result of your marketing plan? Look forward to seeing those on the Instagram stories. All right, see you next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast on iTunes. Or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com 
for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.